If you're looking for a clean, sober, professional, academic, well-researched, historically accurate, generally accurate, serious podcast on Southern folklore, ghosts, bizarre events, and unique people, this podcast is not for you. However, if you've decided you can live with that, then join us for The Strange South. sweating already it's so. it's summertime now because it it's you know way. not quite easter in the south <laughs> so we mm. all like dodged the bullet of storms last night well we did not yes, everybody did not everybody did i know there was some bad bad storm damage but luckily i was only up till four and then i did get to sleep a little bit so i didn't have to worry about everybody so if we sound punchy today Yes, it's we not are just the Cuban mojitos. It is a Sunday and we're recording. And so lots of stuff has happened this week. And it's just been crazy because just weird things. Don't really want to go into it. But yes, we're both very kind of punchy and hoping that the drink will kind of settle us down. Well, we have bartender Courtney back. So our Yay! drink is like bartender Courtney who visited Robert the doll mm-hmm. and has photos. And I'm very excited. I'm hoping you'll let us post yes, those. Definitely. Excellent. Video tour as well. Yeah, she did a video oh, tour so, of the outside yes. and so inside. If we remember, make a note. I'm going to make a note. <laughs> Hold on. Hold on. We're going to post these on the website. Also on the website, I included a sign up form for the uh, news group or a newsletter to go out. And What I'm wanting to do is kind of build up this base of people that we can send episodes to and information about the episodes to earlier before they actually go live. And also if we have, like we're talking about doing (laughs) t-shirts and maybe have some t-shirt giveaways coming up soon and we'll do that through social media, but you'll hear about it through the newsletter. So if you haven't signed up for the newsletter, go to thestrangesouth.com and you should see a pop-up and sign up for that, and that'll just keep you abreast of everything that happens. Um, <laughs> abreast. Abreast. <laughs> and uh, hopefully we're trying to fix a live show before we do Pod X mm-hmm. at the end of May. So if you live in central Alabama, uh, we'll be hopefully announcing that pretty soon and figuring out how the hell we're going to do a live show yeah we've got some we got some stuff to work out we but. do have some stuff but it'll be fun it'll be like the first live show and um and we have a place in mind we and do the place happens to be haunted and happens <gasps> to have a long history so that yes. could be super cool so you know cross your fingers let's mm-hmm. hope this happens and um hopefully you can come join us for like our inaugural first live show and all the craziness that'll probably happen (laughs) also uh another something in big news big post-mortem we were contacted by the scots yes from rockford (laughs) alabama it was so freaking awesome (laughs) so the people that we talked about in episode uh, was that three three maybe or it was an earlier episode yes. um the uh haint blue mm-hmm. uh, episode the people that we actually were talking about contacted us and were like 
they they loved how we presented their story and they were very happy thank god they were very happy yeah, with I know. It. <laughs> <laughs> and um and we're now friends on facebook yes. so what? it was episode six episode okay thank six. you yes okay yes robert the doll was episode three so the rockford yes. haunting um so yeah that was major cool i love when that happens yes so hi jenny <laughs> yes hello scott thank you we appreciate it <laughs> Um, this weekend I went to, uh, Columbus, Georgia, and it is definitely, you cannot get there from here, kind of weird back road situations. And when I was driving down there and we got there finally, cause it was, it's like two and a half hours from where we live. Mm. And I was like, Chad, I was like, we're going to take the main roads next time. Right. Because it's very active driving. It's hilly, curvy tractors on the road it's like you can't set your you know cruise and whatnot he was like no that was the main road (laughs) (laughs) i was like shit oh my god so but on the way there like we were on 431 and like just down the road i start seeing like this weird monolithic sculpture thing and it is the haunted chicken house. Yeah. And they have like maybe 10 hearsed out front, like stacked on top of each other. It's like it's this huge thing. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, how come I know nothing about this? Oh, I know about it. Okay. I know about the haunted chicken house. Have you been? No, I have not because I am terrified of haunted houses. <laughs> Even haunt. What is a haunted chicken house? And that's it- the. It's like, it's one of the most popular haunted houses in our area. So people actually drive pretty long distances to get to the haunted chicken house when it's like Halloween season. Is it a haunted chicken? Is it like haunted by chickens? I mean, what's the haunting (laughs) part going on? I want to know what the chicken is. Is it like, is it like a euphemism for like, you know... Uh sex workers house or something i, I no. just know what, what, what is the chicken part of it i don't understand where did that even come from well you know i don't know it's out in the country i just passed probably like the clan hangout you know on the way there with all the confederate flags and stuff and then i see like chicken house and i'm like does it have what does that mean so um is it like you've like, never been, it, Courtney? No, is it, it Teresa, have you been to the I've haunted chicken house? Okay, but By, our friend Dixie Teresa General is here. Store. Yes, yes, yes. It's like right down the Dixie the road. General store because yes. they have signs on the highway too. That's like turn around right now, get back mm-hmm. to the Dixie General store. Um, haunted chicken house. I I don't even know if it's based on a real haunted thing or or if it's just like a supermarketed <laughs> chicken house. I just like a big, you know, chicken coops, right? Where it's like, there's a billion chickens like walking around on the floor. It's like little chicken you know what? zombies. What are we, what are we talking about? What am I going to be involved got a much, in here? I think we should, I think we should invest in this idea though. Now I'm, I think that kind of haunted chicken house would scare the absolute <laughs> shit out of a bunch of people I know. No, I like, it's like, I, it's just one of those, I think it's just one of those where they, they take you through and there's like freaky ass clowns jumping out with chainsaws and shit okay. i think that's what it is because i mean how do you so like if it was like a slaughterhouse right mm-hmm. and it you know you, you would have like chainsaws and meat hooks and stuff i understand the horror of that <laughs> i don't understand the horror of the how you kill chickens chicken 
you know, it's like slinging them by the neck, popping them their heads off. I mean, I just, I just don't know. Anyway, so I was very fast. I thought about this a lot. If you oh my God. I'm never going to be able to think about it the same way now. I just, I just didn't know. I didn't know. So yeah. So that was my postmortem for today. We'll be looking into that. I'm we sure. We'll be looking into that and possibly going as well. God, it's so funny because we were just saying it feels like we haven't done this in three weeks. It's like we hold off recording for a couple days and now I'm like, did that all happen just this past week? Is that even possible? I know. So it's weird time warp thing happens when we don't do it on let's Friday. do the time. So, okay. I don't think I have anything else. If I do, it's just buried in the recesses of my brain. Okay. Cool. I don't know. So I guess I'll go first. Give me a second. <laughs> like chuck chuck no all right so to today this week uh, i was posting i posted a picture of my grandmother who passed away back in back in christmas christmas mm. day she passed away that was a very cool picture and it was when she was in her 50s 40s and 50s they lived in lumberton mississippi so lumberton is like halfway between Hattiesburg and the coast. And um, my grandfather was the postmaster at the time. So they bought like this house, you know, on Main Street. It was antebellum. It was really cool because they were digging a basement underneath. It had like a crawl space. And they were digging out underneath it and they would find all these really cool engraved medical medicinal bottles Mm -hmm. that just got buried underneath and Hmm. she would collect them i remember she'd have like just a windowsill full of you know medicinal bottles from back in the day when they were selling all kinds of snake oil and whatnot Mm -hmm. and probably really good drugs in them too (laughs) and um so i have very vivid memories i also like it was one of the uh, houses that i remember being in and hearing kitty cats and I could never find them. So those were like the ghost kitties, you know, so I had ghost kitties, you know, growing up as a child, (laughs) ghost kitties, ghost kitties. So she lives in Lumberton, Mississippi. And last year I read about this and I'm like, no way. And I, I, no way because of what happened. It was just strange. And then no way because it happened so close to where they lived in um, Lumberton, Mississippi. So, Back in the 60s, the United States and Great Britain and the Soviet Union uh, agreed to uh, sign like a treaty that's banning partial testing of nuclear weapons. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. And so this prohibited nuclear testing to be in the atmosphere, underwater, or in space. So, of course, if you list three things where it can't be, you're damn straight. They're going to find out some other place to do it. So this was Project Dribble. It's just a horrible name. (laughs) This is the worst name ever. I'm pretty sure that shows up on a porn site somewhere. (laughs) Oh, my God. Worst name. I I just, I don't even know. I don't even know. So, Project Dribble. So, so woo, Project Dribble took, yeah, took place uh, in Mississippi, 28 miles southwest of Hattiesburg in the Tatum Salt Dome. And this was like a massive um, Mesozoic Mesozoic, thank you, uh, salt deposit that was about a thousand feet underground. So, of course, I had to look at well, what does that really mean? Yeah. I, I don't remember, right? Um, so, the 
the Mesozoic period was like 252 to 66 million years ago. Weird number range. It's so funny because it gets to that part and it's just like, when once you talk about millions of years ago, you're, you're just, just like, like it could be one or it could be like five. It was a long time it ago. It was a really long time ago. <laughs> but it was also known as like the age of reptiles. So it was like oh. when dinosaurs were roaming. So this is when the salt deposit formed, however salt deposits. I have no idea, right? <sighs> um, but anyway, so at 10 a.m. on October 22nd, 1964, uh, Project Dribble had a subproject <laughs> called Project Salmon. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I can't. I'm not making this stuff up, right? Can't make I this stuff up. like Project Spit, right? And, <laughs> and what they did is they detonated a 5.3 tilicon tila kilopod. <laughs> Shit. Tilikum, 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 kiloton. Kiloton, thank you. Tilik. Did I say that word? I'm staring right at it. Kiloton nuclear device that was detonated in Lamar County, Mississippi. Oh my God. So we have actually had a nuclear bomb detonated in Mississippi and in the South, and it's the only one. Um, what the hell? So this bomb was about the third of the size that the one that was dropped in Hiroshima in 1945. It created this huge cavity in the salt mine underneath um, the ground that was like 2,500 feet. And that's long. And that's about a half a mile. I have to look up. I have to like compare things. Just numbers don't make sense to me. (laughs) Um, and when they did that in this community, it's like it was a big deal. It's like all the people came to watch. They paid children $5 and adults $10 that lived in the area when they were going to do this. Wait, I'm sorry. That was their payoff for we're going to set off a fucking nuclear bomb in your neighborhood? Yep. Five rural, and $10. Rural Mississippi. Jesus Christ. Right? And this is like really because Lumberton was pretty rural and this is outside of Lumberton. So it is really like the poor rural Mississippi place that they're taking oh advantage gosh. of. Okay. Yeah. So when this happened, when they set it off um, and they've got really great photos and there's actually a video online that shows one of the dead nations because they did it twice. Um, and it shows, you know, it's not really good. And I bet you there's better pictures and better video because of all, like, everybody, the way that they show people taking photos and had the cameras reeling and stuff like that. But they do show it. Um, they say that the uh, earth rose and rolled in waves and that pecans fell from the trees. Dogs howled in fear and creeks ran black from being disturbed sediment shaken loose. Buildings 30 miles away swayed for minutes on end. So it fucked a lot of shit up um, when they set off this first bomb. And, um, of course, shortly after that, hundreds of residents filed uh, damage claims to the government, citing burst pipes, cracked masonry, and um, suddenly dry wells. Did they... um Was there some, like, oh, you took our $10, you don't get to file claims? I'm sure. You know, I don't know. I don't know if, if, if there was a signing off or if it was just an understanding or I, I, I don't know. Um, two years later, they came back and um, we're going to do it again. So this is really this to me says a lot 
about really what they were doing and how much they knew it was going to impact stuff. So on September 22nd, 1966, they were supposed to set off Project Sterling, which was like the most, I guess, common name or the most appropriate appropriate name. name yes, <laughs> thank you, not common, but most appropriate name out of all of them, these names. So um, they're supposed to detonate a second bomb, but they postponed it because the wind direction was not ideal. Okay. So, okay, just keep that in your brain, right? Uh, so they waited till de- uh, December 1966, and they took the bomb and they put it in the cavern that was already detonated. So like the cavern where the first bomb, Mm -hmm. they wanted to test to see if they could test bombs underground and it be detectable. Mm. Um, I think that was the main point. And um, so they used a smaller bomb in the cavity um, than the first one. And um, they did it. They got the test. They considered it basically... Success. They found out, you know, what they wanted to find out, which I don't know if it was detectable or not, or if they found it was undetectable, then maybe it happened more than they claimed it's happened, right? And um, sensors, a sensor was like lowered, three months afterward, a sensor was lowered into the pit, and the temperature in the pit still measured over 400 degrees Fahrenheit. Three months later? Three months later after they did the last bomb holy shit so you know people there in that county they're poor but they're not dumb Mm -hmm. they know that if you start you know blowing up you know the a-bomb or whatever in the vicinity that there's going to be repercussions and Mm -hmm. stuff something's going to happen um so they were worried about radiation poisoning, like, duh, as yeah, you that should was going to be. be the next thing I was going to ask. Right? Yeah. Um, but, of course, government officials said that this was highly unlikely. <laughs> and they pointed out that the 2,700-foot uh, shaft had been filled with gravel, and it served as an enormous concrete plug. Oh. And um, they also, scientists reassured Mississippians... Um, by reporting that all radiation levels had been con- contained underground. Well, that's freaking fine, but guess what happens to underground yeah. stuff? You know, it seeps through, right? And you said, like, wells went dry and mm-hmm. water is down there and people use well but water. See, and- but they said that the soil, water, and the air in the area was not made radioactive. Mm. Uh, government officials erected a large stone monument at the site with a brass plaque warning future generations not to drill or dig in the vicinity, probably for freaking ever, mm. right, um, of this test site. And soon afterwards, some Lamar County residents started to complain of lingering health effects um, in the decades after the blast. They saw an increased number of cancer deaths at the Tatum Salt Dome area. Um, and they saw that it was like higher than national average. And, um, of course, federal officials maintained that there was no health risk in living near the Tatum Salt Dome site. Uh, however, they did pay at least one former Mississippi employee of Project Dribble for unspecific health damages. I'm sorry. <laughs> I know. You, you can't say that with no, a serious face, right? 
So in 2010, the U.S. government actually transferred that land to the state of Mississippi, and it is a state timber preserve. Hmm. And you can visit it today if you want to by going. um, You have to ask permission. It's by appointment only. But it's about, you know, two and a half miles down some dirt road in the middle of Mississippi. I wonder if the timber is radioactive. That's what I'm saying. Well, and I was wondering, it's like, well, they said timber preserve. So I'm thinking that they're not wanting to cut the trees down because one thing that Mississippi has a lot of is trees. And they Mm -hmm. have like big industry with trees and warehouser and warehouser makes toilet paper. So you have like radioactive (laughs) toilet paper. Oh, God. Yeah, that's just where I want my radiation to go. (laughs) But I think I think it being a preserve (laughs) that it's fine. But still, yeah, you blow something up. We know radiation leaks, you know, that you cannot fully I don't think salt fully contains it. You may say you may say that they plug the hole. But, you know, what did you, I'm sorry, what did you say? I said you may say that it dribbles. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, you may say that. But I just learned about this, um, like, last year, and I was like, holy fuck. I was like, that is just monumental for something like that to happen and everybody, you know, and and of course, the residents knew about it. It's not like they came in in the middle of the night and did Mm -hmm. it. It was like a sideshow, and they've got, like... It is well documented. They've actually got really nice black and white photos and there's like a bunch of stuff about it. But still, it's like you don't go into people's backyard and detonate a nuclear bomb. No. Oh my God, that's fucked up. It is fucked up. Have you ever read about like the uh, the actual impacts of those bombs? Like what they did in Hiroshima and oh my god it is mind-blowing yeah I don't know if I can handle that no I mean well even like when they had the um what was it the meltdown over in Japan or the they had the tsunami and it got into the the plant and it leaked out into the ocean and they were finding um radioactive fish being caught over in the pacific um and so it's like, who knows? We wouldn't, that's a lot of our like salmon and oh, that's true. crabs yeah. and stuff like that are all up in that. So who knows what we've been eating? Radioactive crabs, radioactive toilet paper. <laughs> I'm starting to think like the Simpsons, they all knew like <laughs> three eyed fish. And three eyed fish. <laughs> exactly. But you know, it just kind of pisses me off that it was rural. It was not rural enough. Mm-hmm. You know, it was in a community. It was, there were people around. Um, there's pictures of when it went off, it like people had to rebuild their chimneys because their chimneys collapsed. Mm. Uh, and there's pictures of like some of the damage of just, it's just like somebody let a bomb off and, you know, things just fell down and the houses and broke and, you know, stuff. So just absolutely crazy. Absolutely crazy. Yeah. And that's my story for the week. That is nuts. Yeah, we both took A-bomb. the. You know, we both took the historical route this week. We're gonna be like, this is the nerd episode. It may be. We're uh, well, I'm kind out. of excited about that because you know sometimes we do have this vibe where we do the same like really, like when we did the babies, the killer babysitter of Florida, and you know the the two guys in Georgia being murdered. 
I was so depressed after. I mean, I felt so <laughs> bad after that episode. I was like, these are horrible people. And now I know, I mean, it's not, sometimes, you know, ignorance is bliss, but it just hit me all of a sudden, like soon after we did that about how horrible that episode was. <laughs> how depressing. It was like murder and baby murders. and. Well, at least this one's not depressed. Well, I mean, it's a little, it's a little depressing. I yeah. mean, you know. But it's not like the government's trying to kill us and all just just don't give a shit (laughs) so what's new (laughs) it's true all right let me take a pee break and then i'll tell you mine excellent show me yours i'll show you mine (laughs) let me see what she did it was very clever uh all right we are back live Ooh, listen to you We are back live on WKRP. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, so I said we did history this week and um, it's history week. It's again like it's nerd week. It's nerd week here on the strange south. We do have nerds. We, are um, nerds. we have nerds down here. We are nerds or we, we wouldn't nerds. have both researched these things this week. Um, so I, I couldn't think of what I was going to do this week and I ended up... Um, kind of rediscovering the Oxford American magazine, which I'm probably going to subscribe to, but there's a whole bunch of like folklore and South and stuff like that. Oh, really? In there. Um, I've, I've heard of that, but I'm not really sure. Like, you know, is we, it... I, you know, I, I may share a link or something to it, but, um, yeah, Oxford, are we talking subscribe. about like England, Oxford, no, Mississippi, Oxford or I've, Alabama, I've, Oxford, I think Mississippi, Oxford. Okay. Um, because it seems it's like primarily Southern stuff. It's something that I should really remember better and know more about because I used to know more about it, but, um, they had a, they had an article from 1995. It's been around forever. Um, they had an article from 1995 by a guy named Beryl Han- Bar- Jesus, Daryl Hannah wrote this. No, Barry, <laughs> Barry Hannah. And it was called Inside Louisiana's Leper Colony. And I was like, oh. what? What? <laughs> like, what does that mean? You know, this is vaguely setting off like memory Is it? So sports. maybe you know some of this. Okay, go ahead. Yes. Um, so uh, in 1888... Um, a doctor at Charity Hospital in New Orleans released data that showed that not only was there a surprisingly large number of leprosy cases being freely admitted to his hospital, but um, the illnesses were not being brought in from people who had been abroad. They were like endemic. They were like local to Louisiana. So these people had never been anywhere else where they could get leprosy. You know, like you think of leprosy and you don't really think of Right, the United think States, of like old England, exactly, or, or, or like yeah, medieval times, medieval. or India in the slums, or something like that. Right. And um, so you know, he's saying, yeah, we've got quite a bit of leprosy here, you know, and we're treating them. So you know, there you go. And because of this admission, like a couple of years later, the Daily Picayune did an article that was like, it was like a public service article alerting residents that there was a physician who was under a state contract to care for leprosy patients in what they called in this article, a pest house near Bayou St. John in New Orleans. And people went fucking apeshit because they're like, "Ah, yes, it's insane. I mean, and so, um, because people went apeshit, mm-hmm. state of Louisiana passed an 1892 law saying that anybody who was diagnosed with leprosy had to be quarantined 
in a very like in a specific but it's, hospital. it's a highly contagious disease right we're gonna talk about that okay because i have no idea what leprosy is I, and that i think that's part of the thing that's like one of the biggest things about this story so i'll tell you i'll tell you this kind of history part of where it was in louisiana and then i'll tell you about leprosy okay, itself. i'll be patient so come on patrice <laughs> sorry i have a flow here it's written to, i've got subtitles on this page i'll tell you what they are in a minute they're kind of funny but uh, <laughs> there's a so uh, anyway, so in 1892, state of Louisiana said anybody who was diagnosed with leprosy in the state had to be treated in a certain place. And so they were quarantined by force and taken what was to what was called like the leprosarium, the Louisiana leper home at the time. Um, and it was in, you know, what they would call like a leper colony. And it was in Carville, Louisiana. Um, so and eventually over time, people just called it Carville. Um, it's west of New Orleans, south of Baton Rouge. So, like, if you're on Route 10, like, it's it's just, like, in a little bend of the Mississippi River, kind of a little ways off of Route 10, south of Baton Rouge. And the location, it was, like, 350 acres. And the place was massive, you know, this, mm-hmm. this institution that they had these people in. It was super isolated. You could only, I mean, it, you weren't going to get there by accident. Right. was basically it. You had to go way out of your way to get there. Like the first, Georgia. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, Columbus, Georgia. You're great. Sorry, Columbus. Uh, I love the downtown area. <laughs> You're super pretty. We love you. Yes. Um, so Hard the first to get to. <laughs> what did Sorry. you say? Sorry. <laughs> did you not start this by saying you were not going to talk over me this week? <laughs> Which guarantees that I'm going to talk you. Sorry. <sighs> Apologies. Um, so the first seven patients of this hospital, this leprosarium were from new Orleans and they arrived like in December, 1894. And they had to ferry them in the middle of the night to the hospital because everybody was so freaked out about anybody even being admitted there. Mm. Like they wanted them to be quarantined, but they couldn't even stand the idea of them like crossing the water. So they had to do it in the middle of the night. Um, There were 31 patients within two years. There were four Catholic sisters from a certain, it was daughters of charity of St. Vincent de Paul who cared for the patients um, and sisters from that order were the only registered nurses who were willing to care for these patients for more than four decades. Oh, wow. So they couldn't get people to come in and, and care for them. And these were the only people that were willing to do it. Um, and then in 1921, the U S passed a national law requiring anybody in the continental U S who was diagnosed with leprosy be held indefinitely at Carville for quarantine oh, until shit. they had medical clearance and they never would get medical clearance. Okay. Um, so it was basically like, Oh, and by the way, Hawaii actually has an island. Like, the territory of Hawaii had this happen in, like, 1866. So they already had, like, an island that See, was and for I lepers. And I think that's what I read something about, like, a, a leper island mm-hmm. or something. So, you know, it was this is, this is, like, the, the only leper colony in the continental U.S., but Hawaii did have one. Um, and, uh, yeah, so, like, eventually the U.S. Public Health Service took over the facility and, and funded a budget towards leprosy research. But they this law passed said like if you are diagnosed with leprosy you are legally required to drop everything your life your family your people everything and be committed into this institution until they let you go wow and there was no treatment for leprosy when it started and so it was just like well this is your life yes it was yeah basically so 
the subtitle of our next section is let's learn about leprosy yay because i know exclamation point exclamation point contagious is it airborne well and that's the thing is because like when i think of leprosy all i all i can think of is like this this movie that completely like bombed in the early 90s called city of joy and i watched it because patrick swayze was in it and i was like in love with patrick swayze and um interesting but it was about like some asshole who lived in like the slums in india or something like that and like was ended up like learning about impoverished communities and leprosy there and obviously i didn't learn anything because i had to relearn it all when i was doing (laughs) research for this but um so yeah like what we just talked about like you probably only really heard about leprosy in like the bible like leviticus talks about leprosy middle ages documentaries i totally heard about it there yeah (laughs) but um so it like traditionally and we'd like to think that this was like thousands of years ago but you know it's not true traditionally people looked at it more as a punishment from god than like a disease um and so um you know it was like uncleanliness so like whenever you hear people making the joke like unclean unclean they're talking about lepers like that's what they're Mm, talking about okay um so when you think about it, you're thinking about like people who have like they kind of look like their faces are falling off, like Ugh. people who have stumps instead of hands. They have a hard time getting around. You know, they they would always, you know, in underdeveloped countries, they would end up being beggars on the street. Mm. You know, they and, you know, it was um in Europe in the Middle Ages, like leprosy sufferers had to ring bells and walk on certain sides of the street depending on which way the wind was blowing because Ooh. they had to wear certain clothes. Yeah. All of this because people like had to be given every opportunity to get as far away from them as well, possible. You know how freaked out we get when like flu season hits. And yeah. Like right? six people out and we got like our mask on and the Lysol. That's like- true. And I mean, and that's the flu. That's not like your hands might fall off. You right. know what I mean? Or your face melt off. So horrifying. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's, um, there was an article that I actually read. There's this, this is me completely nerding out. This is like 100% like, and I'll, I'll give you, you a link You went down for the it. rabbit hole, huh? Totally academic, like, article titled Termination of the Leprosy Isolation Policy in the U.S. and Japan, Science Policy Changes and the Garbage Can Model. Um, what? By Hajime Sato and Janet France. And there was a quote you, in there, though, that I really liked. Hold on. Leprosy. Sorry, what? I'm interrupting you. Go. You had me at garbage can model. Garbage can model. They describe it all in the paper. They're talking about, like, the way that um, politicians dealt with this issue mm. and that this isolation quarantine policy like, yeah, was very totally, questionable. Yeah, I took it totally chicken form. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. To chickens. Um, but their quote was, leprosy was dreaded not because it killed, but because it left one alive with no hope. Mm. So leprosy wasn't necessarily something that was going to kill you. But like all people saw it, it was disfigurement. Yeah. yeah it, I mean, you were absolutely cast out of society. I mean, you you ended up looking like a monster in their eyes, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, so in 1870, in 1873, there was a scientist named Gerhard Hansen who discovered that leprosy is actually just a bacterial infection. Oh, wow. Um, it's caused by a really slow growing bacteria called Mycobacterium leprae. And it was renamed Hansen's disease after he made this dis- like he made this discovery. OK. Um, and once they figured out what it was, they learned a whole lot more about how it works. So when I say it's slow growing, like you can have leprosy for three to 20 years before you're symptomatic at all. Oh, wow. Um, so and when you do, you get skin lesions, 
So usually like hands, feet, it happens a lot in the extremities and um, it affects like the facial muscles and the mucous membranes in your face, but it impacts your nerves, your skin, the lining of your nose, Mm. the lining of your eyes. It sounds very painful. uh, Yeah. Uh, Well, and it's funny. The reason you see people with lost limbs, it's not, it's not like, you know, I think we tend to think of it as like a flesh eating bacteria. Mm -hmm. That's not what it is. It causes nerve damage. So you can't feel your extremities. So you injure your yourself constantly and you don't get it treated because you don't realize you're hurt like you know so if you're if you're left untreated your feet and hands you'll burn yourself you're cut yourself you'll get infected you don't get treatment Mm -hmm. um you can get ulcers in your eyes because of the nerve damage in your eyes um i don't know if you've seen like a lot of people have seen this saddle nose thing that like cocaine addicts get where you the bridge of your nose collapses because the cartilage is that happens in leprosy so you see a lot of people who don't seem to have noses um and there is a lot of blindness in untreated leprosy so that's why people are like freaking out about leprosy Mm -hmm. um carvel was like the clinic and the research facility and so just about every advance in treatment happened at carvel in 1941 they developed a chemotherapy that made it completely non-contagious and then in the 50s they delivered they developed a multi-drug treatment that requires like up to two years of kind of a cocktail of antibiotics Mm -hmm. that cures it completely like you can be cured of leprosy Um, And they did that here. But here's the thing. So we think that people with Hansen's disease were quarantined because of the contagion. Like you were saying, the first thing you said about leprosy was like, it's really contagious, right? Because that's what we think. That's what like everybody says unclean. But that's not it. And the government fucking knew it. So in the 1890s, scientific literature always described Hansen's disease as relatively non-contagious. It's like it's a slow moving bacterium, but it's really, really weak. So to develop leprosy, somebody would need to be in constant, very close contact with an infected person for an extended period of time. Mm. Um, And even then, it's really hard to get the infection from them. You can't get it from shaking hands. Well, see, hands, that was going to be hugging, my next question. Sex. Is like, so is this like across the classes kind of disease? But it sounds like this more is an impoverished. It's people. still an Im- yeah. It tends to be a, a poverty thing, but not it not exclusively. Right. I mean, it could, but they they actually don't. They have ideas now where it comes from, but they're not one hundred percent sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, like the. 95% of people are naturally immune to leprosy, to Hansen's oh, disease. Okay. Just naturally. Like, it, I, well, I don't know if that's sense. the United States or what, but I mean, there is a natural immunity. 95% of people can't catch it, even if they sneeze straight in your face. You wouldn't be able to catch it. Ugh. And um, and no employee at this place ever contracted the disease All from right. a patient. No, I guess that was going to be my next question. Yeah, it's they like the, the nuns, you know. Mm-hmm. The, even though they kept, like, completely separate facilities, they were like, mm-hmm. it was like a... a like a twin facility. So everything that the patients had, they had separate cafeterias, separate dorms, separate, like every single thing was, was duplicated for the sick on one side and the well on the other. Um, and at, like in 1945, the American Public Health Association advised against isolating people with leprosy at all. The World Health Organization did the same thing. But the U.S. quarantine laws that I said were put in place in 1921 were not even eased until the 60s. And they weren't legally removed until the 1990s. So, like, even when they created Carvel, scientists knew that leprosy was not that contagious. Mm-hmm. And they, they legally mandated that these people lose their entire lives to go to this institution. And in mm-hmm. 1921, they absolutely knew it. And they, they made the entire nation, like everybody in the country who had it, had to go to Carvel. So wow. it's like, it's crazy, right? That is crazy. So that because the quarantine wasn't based on contagion. It was based on fear. It was based on like, 
that idea that you're not going to die, you're going to be disfigured. And that's the really scary part. Like, it doesn't matter that it's not that mm. contagious, that like minuscule percentage that you could catch this is enough to ruin these people's lives. Yeah. yeah. So, um, that, that's like, the, and when, when it was talking about like, you can't catch it by shaking hands, you can't catch, you can't pass it on to children in birth. Like that's how, oh, wow. and I was like, man, it's like AIDS, you know, that's the closest thing that we would have to really compare it to. I think is like, everybody's like, oh my God, I can't like, I can't hug you or I can't whatever. Right. And you know, it, it doesn't even matter how many times you read all these newspaper articles and watch all these specials about how that shit is not true. Mm-hmm. You know, it, mm-hmm. people still hang on to that, and it's like a huge stigma. So, um, well, patients, yeah, you say lep- lep- leprosy is such a horrifying word in yeah, and of itself. It is. It's just like even not really knowing what it is when you say leprosy, you're just like mm-hmm. want to get away. I mean, it just has that you know flight reaction. It really does, and, and that I think that's why they renamed it. Well, and yeah, all I these thought things. that was smart for yeah. them to rename it because yeah, Hanson's doesn't mm. sound like shit. So. Uh-uh. No, all I can think of is mbop. Yeah. Mm-bop. The, um, so like patients who went to Carvel when they first got there, they were, um, they actually changed their names. A bunch of them, like the, the administration, like said, take on a new identity. Um, so the people who worked inside the leprosarium, like they didn't generally even know the patient's real names or their histories or anything. And it made me think of when you were talking about the, um, the psych hospital mm-hmm. and you were saying like people would go away and you'd think that grandpa just got a job on the railroad or something like that. Right. And they would not realize that he got buried, you know, yeah, that in, he in a mental died hospital. in the hospital and they buried him. And exactly. Don't know what happened. And it's exactly the same thing. Yeah. So there were a lot of families that, you know, only one family member knew that this person had contracted the disease and went to Carvel. And then like, and they, know, were they like, would be the keeper of the memory. Right. You know? and, and they're like less likely to go around saying, well, you know, grandma's over in the island. You yeah. Know, kind of deal. Or she contracted leprosy. That's not something that you really want to. like. No, because again, everybody thought so they would think the whole family had it. Exactly. And people like whole families lost, lost jobs, marriages, families went away. Like there was a story about a woman whose house was burned down by her community because her husband got admitted to Carvel. Oh, um, wow. So, um. There was um, there was a graveyard on site because they actually couldn't even transport the bodies out easily. Mm. So if the family did want the bodies back after they passed away, See, at I'm the surprised facility, they didn't have them cremated. Yeah, I am too, actually. But I don't know. Maybe they thought that there was a contagion in cremation oh. because they had like special, I think, like metal lined coffins is what they said, and they had to completely disinfect the bodies and then oh like seal God. the coffins and to transfer them across state lines they had to get permission from every single health department of every single state they were transferring to oh so that was like it was really hard so they had a very over full like more than a thousand people in an on-site graveyard there um if patients families kept contact with them like it was really hard for them to get there because like i said 350 acres in this remote area of louisiana mm-hmm. um but like a 12 foot hall fence with barbed wire on the top Shit. and the families of patients with young children they would smuggle kids in under blankets or rugs in the car because kids under 16 weren't even allowed in the facility at all so could you imagine like being like if you're a young parent and mm-hmm. like you have little kids at home and you go to this hospital you won't be able to see your kids until they're 16 years old oh wow um so like they generally people didn't come home like right. they they weren't ever going to. But, you know, like I said, in the 40s, it was non-contagious. And in the 50s, they created the treatment. So people did get cured. Um, 
And early on when they went before all that stuff happened, it really looked like a leper colony, like the way you picture in your head, like patients were covered in sores and bandages, mm. toes and fingers missing, like the dressing clinic stayed open every day, all day, because there were so many injuries all the time that there were always people in the dressing clinic. Wow. Um, but then once the treatments were developed, people would get in if they got treated early enough, it just it's just like normal folks. You know, mm-hmm. they're just normal folks without any physical problems that you can see. Right. And they're just in this in this facility. But they weren't allowed to have paper money because they were worried that, you know, money changing hands could get outside of the facility and pass on contagion. So they were only allowed to have coinage. Right. And um, any money that did leave the facility was like chemically sanitized. They for a long time, they oh actually God. baked all the mail in a 300 degree oven before they sent it out of the facility. <laughs> Because they were afraid that that they would pass on contagion through the mail system, um, like in a, for an hour they would bake your mail for it an hour. It is mind-boggling that they got into like the late eighteen hundreds and the early after this has been going on since biblical times, mm-hmm. and they have not figured out like who gets it and who doesn't get it. Yeah, it, it was the way that they're treating it though. It seems like they think. Oh, never mind. It's just, rah, it's just mind Well, no, it really is, right? though. And I think that's one of those things. When it's something like this that's, like, so based on that disfigurement fear. So it's not like the flu of, like, 1920 where it wiped out, like, a million people or right. whatever. Um, you know, if it's as contagious as they thought it was, then everybody would have it. Mm-hmm. Like, whole cities and towns would have it. Mm-hmm. Mine, but isn't it crazy, mine. though? What does it say about our psychology that, like, we're more afraid of something that's going to make us ugly than we are of something that's going to fucking kill us. Oh. You know oh. what I mean? Like, isn't that crazy? The vanity. <laughs> but uh, Vanity, right? But so the, the folks in this facility weren't given the right to vote until 1946. They couldn't vote when they were in, admitted in Carville. They weren't allowed to marry each other or anybody else until 1950. Um, but they, like, because they had this community and they were, like, isolated from everybody else, but they had their people. And so they, like, they had their own newspaper. They had their own barbershop. They had their own parades. Like, one of the things... Um, so I'll, I'll talk about that later. But like people, people created their own economy and their own society inside the walls of Carvel. And a lot of them, like they had sports teams, they had, you know, so there were a lot of people that were actually fairly, fairly Active content had where life. they were. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, quarantine um, was loosened a lot in the 60s. Um, and in the sixties, it was renamed from the leper colony to the, the Hansen's disease center. And they developed outpatient programs because of this like multi-drug treatment where they had actually cured the disease. They did develop outpatient programs, but the quarantine, like I said, wasn't legally lifted until the nineties. Um, but patients had nowhere to go. So all the people who had stayed there and been there, they haven't hardly even like spoken to their families, some of them in the entire time that they've been there and they didn't. And so a lot of people would actually leave and then come back and ask to be readmitted. Cause they're like, there's nothing for me here. Like I can't, I can't live out here. And, um, so, and especially if they were, if they didn't have it caught early and they did have some deformities, right. I mean, the, they had visual well, they had people that, that they were accepting it. them you know in that community and so yeah you want to stay where people accept you and not look at you you know like you're diseased yeah or then 
your, you know, ground zero. Yeah. And even even to the point where they finally did close, they didn't close this place until 99. Um, but at one point earlier than that, like during the Clinton administration, like they moved the actual clinical facility to Baton Rouge and 40 patients were still living there and asked to stay wow. because they were like, this is our home. Like, this is where we want to be. And um, so the facility now is just it's a museum. So you can go to Carvel. Okay. And you can go to the Hanson's Museum mm-hmm. in Carvel. Um, and one of the, this is, Vi- there was a Vice, I love Vice. Vice has given me like leads everywhere, but there was a Vice magazine ar- article on this too. And it said, one of the most striking artifacts in the museum is a small float stylized as a red Chinese dragon. From a distance, it looks like a mini version of what you might see promenading through the French Quarter on Fat Tuesday. But a closer look shows that the float is constructed from occupational therapy departments, casting and bandaging material. And it's precisely sized and shaped to fit over a wheelchair. Oh, wow. So like they like they made art and shit, yeah, you know, I mean, they like they work. really did their thing where they right. were. But um, then let so life get them down. I know. So you were asking about like whether it crossed like um, like class class boundary. boundaries. Mm-hmm. And they, like I said, they don't they don't 100 percent know where this comes from. But in 2011, the New England Journal of Medicine published an article formally linking the armadillo to human leprosy cases. <gasps> I heard that. I remember reading that. Yeah. That um, the armadillos that were tested in the study shared the exact same strain of the disease that infects humans. Oh, my God. And so there are still endemic cases of leprosy being discovered in the United States. A lot of the ones that are more recent are are specifically like within the southern half of Louisiana. Armadillos are You might have more impoverished communities if you're eating armadillo meat. There's a possibility that that might have something to do with some of that, but it's they again they don't really know for sure, wow. but um, but there is a potential link because that's the only other creature that shares that that disease strain with the humans. So wow, armadillos don't fuck with them. Do not fuck with armadillos. <laughs> <That's>... Ostracized. <laughs> and that's my see. I was like I totally geeked out on this i was like oh my Ah, god this is fascinating it is fascinating so if you're gonna go visit the um museum you just drive through lumberton you hit the nuke (laughs) testing site and then you keep heading west towards louisiana yep we need that map we do need that map (laughs) i know i I got that'll be more weeks of school yes as soon as school is done watch out (laughs) all the things all the things Doing all the things. So I guess that's it. That is it. Well, I hope everybody has a great day and sorry for being a couple of days late. And hopefully we'll be back on schedule this weekend for Friday. For Friday. Yes. We'll talk to y'all later. Bye. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at thestrangesouthpodcast.com or on our website, thestrangesouth.com. Yes. Thank you. And what they did is they detonated a 5.3 tilicum, tila, kilopun. <laughs> Shit. Tilicum, 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 kiloton. Kiloton. Thank you. Tilicum. <laughs>